The Gun Dog Notebook Podcast is presented to you by Onyx Hunt, crafted to be the number one digital mapping resource for hunters, anglers, and landowners. Download the Onyx Hunt app from your phone's app store today and use my promo code GDN20 for 20% off your Onyx subscription. If you want to get the most of your dog and your training sessions, you need nutrition that holds nothing back. Yukonuba's new premium performance lineup is built with the nutrients dogs need to help unleash their maximum potential. That starts with providing energy that matches their efforts, supporting optimal nutrient delivery, and supporting post-exercise recovery. Check out the new Yukonuba premium performance lineup and find your dog's fuel at yukonubasportingdog.com. I also want to thank Dakota 283 Kennels for everything that they're doing, making dog travel super, super, super easy. You can definitely check Dakota 283 Kennels out on Dakota283.com. Use my promo code TGDN10 for the new military grade crates, G3 Kennels, and a whole wealth of other new products and offerings from Dakota 283. I also want to give a huge shout out and a huge thank you to Jeff and Josh Reuter at Trinity Bretons, Trinity Kennels. Um, so you guys should probably go check out a couple of new updates from them. Rhea Descent Cato. I think that's how you say it. It's in French, I'm assuming. But anyway, they got a new, new little pretty girl, new pup that's coming in and hopefully they'll get some good breeding off of her. So if you guys are interested in a French Brittany, definitely go check out Trinity Kennels. Also, definite congratulations to Champion Moose, okay? Um, he actually won his champion of the field in, on October 3rd. Um, and he has been just a phenomenal dog. Um, we talk a bit about Moose on um, some previous episodes with Jeff and Josh and with George Hickox. So check out Trinity Baton, uh, Bretons whenever you get a chance on Instagram. And also check out TrinityKennels.com for a new pup. Hey guys, I want to give a special shout out and a huge thank you to Brennan Landry and his son over at Cable Gangs, all right? You can check out Cable Gangs on Facebook and Instagram. It's just Cable underscore Gangs with a Z. They come in two different series. You got the Gun Dog series and the All Age series. The Gun Dog series is an all cable, uh, one eighth inch galvanized steel cable coated to a 316th inch uh, with PVC blaze orange coloring. Uh, the drop attachments are six feet apart, including the end termination. So if someone wants to use a swivel end stakes, there's enough room for the dogs on the end. There's also two to five dog options. Now, y'all big time guys, y'all field trialers, you got the all age series. You got three sixteenth galvanized cable coated uh, to one fourth an inch with PVC blaze orange coloring. Of course, uh, the same distance between the drop connections and their four to 10 dog options. Nine and ten dog systems include a center ring for a third stake. Center rings are optional for four to eight dog systems for an extra ten dollars. The drops are made with solid brass swivel bolt snaps on both ends, 21 inches standard length, and they can make custom links as well. There's a half inch trigger uh, snap available for larger anchor points like on a dog trailer and they do sell individual drops separately at whatever length that you guys want. So hit them up at Cable Gangs. Thank you, Brennan Landry and son. 
And lastly, I want to thank Garmin Fish and Hunt for their new products and everything that they're doing to support the Gundog Notebook podcast. Um, check out their new Alpha 200. All right. There's a whole lot of features that I want to get into a little bit later on in a, in a few episodes down the line. I'm definitely interested in getting my hands on one. So if you go and need an e-collar for your pup during this hunting season, check out Garmin. Also, I'm using the Pro 550 Plus if you need a good training collar. All right, guys, here we go and getting into the episode. All right, guys, this is another episode of the Gundog Notebook podcast, and I'm pleased to bring you guys Brooke Lanning. Now, Brooke, I've been anticipating this interview for a minute now, and I told you, like, I've been kind of like doing my research and studying up on you. So you're going to have to hang in there with me. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. All right. Now. You also you you actually you ain't really had a time to to get unready because you just got off a of coon. So what happened? Because <laughs> what what did you just get done doing? So my dogs kind of have me trained in a sense. Uh huh. <laughs> around around this kind of time frame, um, between like eight o'clock and ten o'clock is is when my hounds really know that all right mom's going outside she goes out to the barn and she feeds some horses and and she just turns us loose so we we live on like a little over 50 acres and a good chunk of it is wood Mm -hmm. so they they just they know the property line um they stay off of the property you know adjacent to us and they run those woods back and forth and, um, you know, obviously I, I have a good handle on them. So if they start to, you know, or if they're running towards a, a different property line, I, I recall them back. So, you know, I always have the collars on them. Uh, but, um, yeah, my male Remy, he was, he was definitely heading towards something. And I was like, man, I, I don't have time to walk all the way out there and pull you off the street. So, <laughs> boy, we are coming back in. Well, you, you so. could have, you could have led with that. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, yeah. Matter of fact, take as much time as you need. <laughs> you could have led with that. That's dope, man. Um, I really want to get into these dogs, but you know, we, we got to do the whole like formality thing and, and you're Absolutely. coming <laughs> just to let folk know what we talking about. You coming out of, I, uh, not Idaho, Jesus Christ, Ohio, um, out of Medina, right? Yeah, Medina. It's funny. All the GPSs they call it Medina, so that's okay. great. All right. Yeah, well, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm. I am. I can tell you now. I'm not smart as your GPS, so you know <laughs> I'm gonna make them. I'm gonna make them mistakes. I'm gonna make them mistakes. Yo, I am really excited to get on here. Like, very seldom do I get a chance to talk to folks that are hound folks and bird dog folks. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So my first, you know, real question is if you running hounds at night and bird dogs during the day, when do you sleep? <laughs> I uh, not that much. <laughs> not that much. Uh I have a full-time job as well. Um I work from home, which makes it absolutely uh a lot better, okay. right? Okay. Um, okay. Now what do you do? Oh, it's a mouthful, but <laughs> I I'm essentially I'm essentially in marketing for a company uh, called Fortna. It's a, a global company that um, essentially builds, designs, and implements 
uh, material handling systems into distribution centers. Okay. So I just tell folks when you think about Amazon, um, we build systems like Amazon's distribution system, right? Nice. Yeah. Okay. Very, very different. (laughs) I was not expecting you to say that, but you're you are especially right now. I can imagine considering the whole virus thing, you are got you got your hands full. I'm imagining. Yeah, it's it's been really interesting, honestly, Um, especially because the the particular verticals that I that I cover a lot of it is like life science companies. So keeping tabs on all the companies that are working towards the vaccine. Um, working all the different therapies and how that they plan to manufacture and distribute that to the world. Okay. So, yeah, it's been a lot of really interesting conversations for sure. Okay. All right. All right. Well, um, when 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 all of this stuff kind of dies down, I'm gonna look towards you and say you did it. You you were you were the unsung hero. All right. <laughs> you were the unsung hero. So look. All right. So we you we we have. Uh, a whole lot in common. I just found out um, when we were chatting y- yesterday because it took me forever to get you those questions. So my my apologies. Uh, I, I'm sorry, man. I didn't want to send you with no stupid questions, man. Like I just I really didn't. Um, but I was out working my dog yesterday, and you messed around and, and told me you run a Nastra um, pretty yeah. soon. Yeah, this weekend. I think we're both running this we weekend. We are both right? running this weekend. Okay, okay. <laughs> what um, what uh, you're obviously in the uh, the the Ohio region. What's that? What specifically is it called? Um, it's just the Ohio chapter. Okay, uh, Nastra chapter. Okay. This is honestly, this is my first one. You this and me is, both. Uh, yeah, oh my God, that's great. We'll have to keep tabs on each other from oh, now yeah. on. We're going to have to keep tabs and you got to come down here and run a trial and, and I got to come up that way and run a trial and, you know. Oh, you, that would be cool. You, that you, would be cool. You got to. I am. Um, so I, I was able to go to Nastra um, a few trials uh, last year. Um, and, and my buddy, uh, George Gordon, he real I mean, he whoops ass in Nastra. I mean, he, he gets down. Okay. And, uh, yeah. he's got some really nice dogs. He was the one It's funny. I'm, you know, born and raised in Atlanta and in, in Georgia, but I'm a part of the Alabama chapter. It's, uh-huh. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing in the world. And the Georgia chapter holds their like championship and stuff actually right around the not too far from my house. It's the most oh, backwards wow. thing in the world. Yeah. Like it's the most backwards thing in the world. Um, But George was such a good guy. You know, you know how you just meet people. You like, all right, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join just because you are doing this. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar experience. Literally, just just yesterday. Tell me, but tell me about that. (laughs) So, you know, I literally just signed up Mm -hmm. um, and I had a, you know, like I was thinking this is what I want to do. So what's coming up this weekend is an amateur stake. So it's all amateur dogs. It's Mm -hmm. just one day you run a double. And I thought, what a great way to get introduced to just the organization, watch how it's run. And just kind of get my feet wet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I contacted um, the person that was kind of the chapter head for that particular event. And, you know, at the time he had said that, you know, it was filled um, and that 
there was a possibility that I wouldn't be entered. And what was so great is that he actually took the time to say, you know, we, we sometimes bring in a buy dog. Um, I have somebody that said that they wanted it, but I don't know. But I saw that you just signed up. I think that's fantastic. We're really trying to build out our amateur program. We want new people. Um, you know, you seem really enthused about it. So I'm going to see what I can do, even if I have to pull my own dog. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, that, that shows the kind of dedication that somebody really has to an organization or a program. Yes, ma'am. And he got back to me first thing this morning and he, he literally just sent me the draw. We redid the draw. Here's you and your dog. Um, he put me first out in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so the heat, the pressure is on. You go set the tone the now. The pressure is on. The pressure is on. But I just, that's such a, that's such a, like a good character, like a good character evaluation of a person and just of an organization. Like I already have a good feeling going in. Oh, just yeah. knowing that there's people like that, that are willing to, you know, to help you. Mm-hmm. You know, he even said like, we'll even have somebody you know, walk with you during mm-hmm. your first race if you mm-hmm. want. And like, you know, that's just, it makes me feel super comfortable and confident going into it. Yep. So that's the way to do it. It's so funny. You, you talk about just the people that get you in. So the first, when I went, when I met my buddy, George, and he is so funny. He called me today and his words paraphrased and not quoted were, um, I hope we get braced together because if we do, I'm whooping your ass and I ain't letting up. <laughs> so, the, now mind you older dude now like super cool and he saw he actually saw vegas my um my pointer when when i first got him i actually took him out to his field and he um lets me run when I, whenever i get a chance to go out to tuskegee he lets me run on his field and he runs one of the national fields so it's kind of a you know it's, it's good to have that connection but um i got out there and you know, like I was, I was kind of like, I, I was like, okay, is there anybody else out here that's going to kind of look like me? Like, what, what, what am I getting myself into? Like what, you know, cause I didn't know anybody and this was way back then, man, I come up and George was the most welcoming, like, you know, he, he's got this like kind of slick back, you know, kind of old gray ponytail going on back there. Um, real cutthroat, man, like says it how it's going to be. Like he just lays it out there. And, um, you know, he, he was kind of like the guy you were talking about. He's like, look, man, we need more people. You know, we, we even had, Nasher has a, uh, um, a mentor program, which I think is dope, um, for people that are trying to come in. I really, really think that's been a big factor for a lot of people. Um, yeah. which will, which will further get it. We'll get into that in my questions, but I will say Nastra was not as so it didn't feel as esoteric as American field. And I, I really enjoy American field. I mean, I love the trials, love going to them. I, I like competition, but absolutely, you, you know, but Nastra, it just felt really good. It's, it's obviously a different setup. Um, it's a bird field versus a course. Um, yeah. You know, and it's and it's it's who's getting down with the most birds, and the other thing, and I got the the actual Nastra uh, standards and stuff right here in front of me, but I like the fact that it's broken down into a point system. I do too. <laughs> I really do too. I, I yes, because if something, well, we, we can we can get into that. A little no, bit go more, ahead, go ahead. Yeah. We we gonna we gonna ride this for a minute because I'm excited. I've yeah. actually not talked about Nastra on this uh, podcast. 
Yeah. So uh, here in Ohio, um, there is another organization that is maybe a little bit smaller, but they tend to have a higher standard of judging. Okay. Um, and they're just called Hunter Trials. Huh. Um, but the way that they break them off, it's by age grouping, and then there's division standards for those age grouping. Huh. So you, if you have a dog that breaks its shot, and it's that gun dog, it's not going to. It's not even going to relatively place. Right. Whereas in NASTRA, if your dog has a slip up in some form, it seems like because of the point system, mm-hmm. there's still a possibility that you could make up points in another area. Right. 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 And to me, I I have done a couple of the hunter trials here in Ohio, and it seems like a lot of the same people will go to the hunter trials and to the NASA trials. And um, it seems to be like that the maybe the standards for NASA has changed somewhat from maybe how it used to be back in the day. And this that's is just what I've heard. Yeah, okay. That's that's good that it transfers like yeah, that. That's um, what I've heard. Yeah, it's it NASA's changed a bit, but go ahead. Yeah, it sounds like it used to be held at a higher standard and maybe mm-hmm. they've lowered things a little bit or change the point system slightly mm-hmm. to maybe bring in a bigger crowd. Right. And, and maybe that's what it is. But to me, I still think the point, the overall point is the same. Right. You still want to have the best dog and the best dog is the well, the best handled, best broke dog right. that will still retrieve. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Um, which to me kind of, it's like you're almost trying to perfect like the perfect hunting dog. And yeah. I feel like it's made more for like the modern day hunter that maybe only has, you know, the one dog right. or something like that. It just kind of seems how it's geared to me um, anyways. Well, and but, I, I, I like that you mentioned that um, because we're talking about the issue of, of relevance, right? Like yeah. I, I get a lot of guys that, um, have asked me like, man, you know, like I, 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 I'm planning on competing in three different venues this year. So Nastra, um, the Georgia, Florida shooting dog handlers club, which is the, the black trials down here and, mm-hmm. um, and American field trials. Well, each one has its own, obviously different set of standards. But my thing is, again, when we're talking about the issue of relevancy, Nastra Number one, usually there's a lot more in, you know, in a state like there are more trials going on. Um, The one that I'm going to this weekend is like 45 minutes away from my house. You know, my two hours. Oh, shoot, man. That that's how it is for me for American field stuff. So those trials, when I want to go, it's like two, three hours away. Yeah. And, you know, with a baby coming on the way, I can kind of slip out uh, <laughs> go <that's> run, <laughs> and, and go run my trial to the head back up here if we got any kind of fireworks, you know. Um, yeah. But I, I like the fact that, like, you know, like our generation are, is going to ask questions like, OK, why did I get scored on this? Why did I do this? And usually it's not in good taste to ask judges about why they made a decision in in American field trials. It's just, you know, kind of, it's not really kosher. Um, yeah. You can talk to them, but you can't really, you don't have, you have to kind of go off of what they say. It's, it's, it's very subjective. Well, 
with Nastra, the, the, the point system is laid out. And I think for us, I, you know, our age group, we're going to ask those questions. Um, we're, we're going to ask like, well, okay, well, why, you know, what did I need to work on? And I like it because you can, t- you can, you know, take that score sheet back home and you know what you need to work on for the next go round. Oh yeah. You Absolutely. Know, you know, also you don't need, you know, the, it, it goes into the question of the all age dog, right? The all age field trial dog, the dog that's running way, way across the County lines and stuff like that. Where Nastra, you don't really have that as much. Um, yeah. it seems like, I mean, cause it's in a bird field, you're not going to get a dog that's across the country because it's also walking. Yeah. Um, and again, you gotta be able to shoot some, I mean, there's still pen raised birds. So, you know, you, you gotta be able to hit something. So there's a, there's a yeah. few factors that are beneficial for folks like us. Um, and again, it just, it seems like more people are drawn to that format, you know? Yeah. And it's also something that you can do with your dog, Mm -hmm. something that you can work towards with your dog that before the hunting season. Exactly. I mean, their trials start, what is it, like April, May time frame? And they roll all the way through the summer. Yeah, exactly. Um, Which I'm assuming for your location could be a little rough. On some dogs with it's, that humidity and that heat, you already know, man. It, it, that jump was beating up on my dog yesterday. I felt so bad for him. Um, oh yeah, it can be totally overcast down here, as it was the other day. Totally overcast, seventy something degrees, and it'll feel like it's ninety for a dog and a hundred ninety to hundred, and it, that's just how it is. So, like, you have to be able to. Number one, you still need a tough dog. I mean, you need a dog that's going to want to persevere anyway. Um, yeah. But they got to be able to roll with it. And, yeah. y- you know, and, and and again, the good thing is you're also not running a three-hour stake, you know, down here. The, you know, you're, you're running a shorter time limit and so on and so forth. So, you know, I, I, I'm just excited um, – you know, that you're getting into Nastra. I had no intention on actually getting on here and discussing that until you mentioned it. And I was like, oh, well, (laughs) we're good. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And and it's not to say that I, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's not to say that I, I wouldn't like to pursue American field Mm -hmm. as well at some point in time. Um, This is just kind of like an obstacle where I'm like, yep. I want to do this. And then when I do this, I already know I'm going to want to do the other. Yep. yep. Um, and, and I think if you have the right dog, you can do both efficiently. Right. I, um, I agree with that. One hundred, 1000%. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them, some of the NASA trials that are a little bit further south of me um, here in Ohio, I believe from what I've heard, um, you you it's not a walking it's, mm-hmm. you you can ride horses so and i believe the judges even ride horses or four wheelers at all of them yep so that's something that i'm really interested in as well um i've been kind of you know on the sidelines kind of prepping my horses here and there getting them really nice and gun broke get the dogs really relaxed with them being around them and everything like that because it there is something go. that i eventually want to do mm-hmm. it's just you know building blocks to get there <laughs> oh absolutely now how are you um what you 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 work in tennessee walkers what kind of horses you got 
No, I'm going to be that hillbilly that shows up with some quarter horses. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame you. (laughs) Look, I don't blame you. It's so funny. So the standard little, little fun history fact. So, um, all of the old guys from way back in the day, like er, the, the the heyday of field trialing, if you want to call it that, they weren't always running Tennessee walkers. They were running quarter horses mm-hmm. and and they just ran what they can get their hands on, you know? Yep. <laughs> and I, I just yep. read um uh in, in Hoyle Eaton's book. So, you know, White Knight, the dogs that, you know, led up to Farrell Miller's dogs and so on and so forth. Well, yes. um, so I literally just read a segment in Hoyle Eaton's book when he was talking about going up to Canada and this dude, they were looking for another horse to ride or whatever like that. And, and you know, back then they were renting them. They didn't own horses. They were just renting them from people. And the guy loaned them um, a, a horse and he was like, you know, and they were like, well, how much is it? You know, does it cost? And he was like, nothing for free. And in the book, he's like, I should have saw it right then. Nobody offers oh. a horse for free. No, they don't. <laughs> and he said that's a he, horse they want to get rid of. That's a horse they want to get rid of. And so he said he got it. He had his scout hold the reins or whatever. And dude steps into the into the 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 um puts his foot in the stirrups or whatever. And as soon as his butt hit the saddle, that horse took off, head ducked in, and got to bucking. And he didn't realize the dude gave him a a, a bucking rodeo horse. <laughs> To, to to go around and train dogs on and he said that horse threw him i mean you know and, and it's just funny stories like that man people just got horses what they had is what they had you know um oh yeah i'm actually yeah. whenever whenever i decide to get a horse i'm i want a walker but i also want what i can get my hands on <laughs> mm-hmm. and, yeah. and make it work yeah, well, and that brings up kind of another point, kind of circling back to, you know, why folks might be more interested in Nastra. You don't have to have a horse. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to have a trailer. You right. don't even have to have a truck. Right. You could throw your dog in the back of your, <laughs> back of your sedan, you know. Um, so, I, you know, I, I feel like that's another thing where it's like, you know, you just you show up with your gun and your dog and, mm-hmm. and that's all you really need. Mm-hmm. I, I, that, that's the best part of, you know, just that whole organization. Um, it's just very easy, man. And they are actively looking, uh, for members and recruiting. And then man, when you go to trial, the food is good. (laughs) That's a sidebar, but the food is good. So So a friend of mine that, that has ran at this location that I'm going to, I was just kind of asking about the grounds and he was like, you're going to have a good lunch. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, it's barbecue. And I was like, Oh, that's great. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about food. <laughs> yeah. That is a major part of it. And like, and they go, you going to eat now. They going to make sure you eat. You are fed. <laughs> I was, I didn't even run a trial and they were like, here, take food, get, get, get whatever you want. I was like, all right, well, you know, cool. Um, and, and all trial venues are like that, but just the, the hospitable nature of, Nashra is something that I really, really like. Now, you know, that also kind of it leads me into another question. So my dog is 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 broke. I mean, all the way wing shot in the fall. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing that. You're doing all that. Well, now, are you holding your dogs to that standard at Nastra or are you, you letting them break after the shot? Because they don't care after the shot. Yeah, right now. So my overall goal um, with with my youngest dog, um, my BK dog, um, is to eventually get her completely broke mm-hmm. to fall. Right now, she's she's broke the shot. Yeah. Um. So this this particular um venue, she, I I would think that she will do very well in. Um. But you know, when I do the drills with her, and she doesn't see the bird fall, she doesn't right. move. Right. You know, it's it's just when the bird falls that she goes and gets it. So to me, when I think about that transition to American Field, they're not watching the bird fall. <laughs> nope. You know, so, <laughs> so and, I mean that's a very good point. Um, that's that's what I was out there working on myself. To, you know, uh, what was that yesterday? Mm-hmm. Is is getting the retrieve because I don't, and I, I'm one of them people that one of my many strong opinions as as I was told I have but I don't let my dog retrieve other than every yeah. blue moon every blue moon and so again in America well, they just fly away but go ahead but you have a dog that retrieves for you I mean that's that's mm-hmm. the beauty of having the the pointing and flushing pair mm-hmm. you know um yeah, for uh, for those of us that don't, um, <laughs> we rely on the on the pointer to get up and get it for us. Well, I mean, okay, so let's let all right. So now that goes to the the next thing. So I think your pointer might retrieve better than my lab. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> like you had your dog the other the the other day. You you told me you were just at a at a tower shoot, right? Yeah. It was a 500 bird shoot and you had 60, did you say 60, 68 birds that y'all were treating? 67. 67. That is a large, for 11 other dogs to be out there, that's a large percentage of those birds. It was. It was. It's kind of embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's kind of how it started mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest as far as you know starting to do the tower shoots and then trying to enhance both of my pointers ability in marking and retrieving and holding steady and even down to uh blind training yeah. um my my B- bk dog she is blind blind trained um i mean she'll sit in her little uh tangle free blind and she loves to dove hunt you know, and I, me and my boyfriend, we love to dove hunt, uh-huh. and it's just something else that allows me to spend more time with my dog. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, yeah but the the tower shoot, uh, it, it all kind of started kind of by accident, almost, or or more so out of spite of somebody telling me that it couldn't be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I know that sounds kind of petty, but no, nah, that's um, what it is. You're a competitor, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, uh, my boyfriend uh, is a a member at a pretty nice club here in Ohio, and they hold tower shoots. Okay. And so at the time when, you know, we first started taking our older dog out there, her name's Candy. Obviously, she wasn't older at the time, but, um, you know, Candy, when we got her, we got her when she was about two years old. Um, She was a field trial reject. You know, she had some puppy points, but 
she had mainly she she was pressured too hard. She was a heavy flagger right. when we got her, and um, she just didn't have the best style. But man, was she a bird machine! I mean, just a finding machine. Right. And she wasn't the best retriever, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, no, nobody had ever asked her to retrieve, and so I, you know, I had no idea what the heck I was really doing at that point, and. I was trying to figure it out. And every time she would pick up the bird, I would just really try to encourage her. I mean, you know, sounding like you're talking to a baby out mm-hmm. there um, you know, with a high voice. Yeah. And, and somebody had said to me, like, you know, well, that's why, you know, a dog like that can never, you know, run power shoes. They can't, you know, pick them up right away and bring them back. And I thought to myself, well, what, what the heck? Mm-hmm. And so I just asked, you know, if she could start, if I could at least just watch and, my boyfriend would do the tower shoots at this club and it's a lot of fun. It's so much action. The birds are flying everywhere. They're falling everywhere. Everybody's shooting all over the place, even if they're not aiming at the bird half the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it just kind of became this thing that really helped that particular dog really want to start retrieving. Right. She was watching these birds fall all over the place and it was like, it was like, oh, my God, it was like a kid in a candy store. Like, what, what the heck are all these birds doing all over the place? And um, seeing all the other dogs retrieve them and pick them up. And so I just very slowly, I just started letting her go, you know. And if she'd bring it back all the way, I'd praise the heck out of her. And then her, I could watch, like, her competitiveness start to really amp up. Mm-hmm. and really find like a drive for it. And then she was watching them like heavy in the sky. And it just became this whole thing where it was like something else for me and her to do together. And it was helping her tremendously to the point where she became unstoppable. Nice. I mean, she became automatic. She became unstoppable. And she was beating these labs left and right to these birds. I mean, there was just no no comparison, you know, wow. you know, that the speed, it's, it's yeah. uncomparable, but, but for the, for the 500 bird Euro shoot was actually a, um, it almost like a interview for me to be a guide at this preserve that, that we have here in Ohio. That's dope. And, okay. <laughs> yeah. It, and they asked me and they, you know, cause when I went up there, I, I bought birds from, um, um, the one time and I bought, I think it was like 50 pheasants or something like that. And I went up there and saw that they were looking for some guides. And so I just said, Hey, I have two pointers and I'd be interested in coming up and doing some guides part time. And she asked if my dogs did tower shoots. And I said, yeah, absolutely. They both do them. Um, and so I got the call and I mean, I haven't talked to her, this, these people in a couple of months and I got the call and I was like, man, I'm ready. I'm excited. And, but the weather was hot. It was pretty warm, um, but 500 birds, that's a lot. That's the most that I've ever done, and the setup of this particular shoot was different than what I was used to, okay. and I didn't have I didn't have my main dog. Um, my dog, Candy, has recently had ACL surgery. She's made a full recovery. It's been fantastic. Okay, um, good deal. But she, yeah, she's getting back in shape, but she wasn't ready for this particular event because this was where they do 250 first, then they break, you go to lunch, you come back out, you do 250, then you do cleanup. So it was like an all-day event. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it was warm, but the whole time, I mean, my dog was the only pointing dog out there. It was all labs and I think two golden. Mm-hmm. And 
the the owner's son, he was sticking his head out of the top of that tower and just watching my dog like a hawk because I know it's pointers aren't known for being good retrievers. I yeah, know that but if they got I, it, they do it dang well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew that I was being I was really being clocked for yeah. sure, not only by them, by everybody else that was there, and I'm just. I was so proud of her. She really, really put on a show. I mean, the cover um, that this place was, you know, just because we haven't gotten a, uh, like a good snow, you know, the weather hasn't really taken like a hard shift where, you know, mo- most of that high stuff would be uh, kind of knocked down. Mm-hmm. And the, the cover was so thick. Uh, you can even see where birds were making tunnels in the grass. Uh, I mean, it was even thick for me to walk through. So I was just so impressed of how well she marked birds. And even if she didn't see it fall, I could send her in and she would find it. And, you know, they have these radios and they're asking me, like, did she get that? Did she get that? And I'm like, <laughs> hell yeah, she got that. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's um, it's been something that I really enjoy doing with them with both of them and they really enjoy it. I, I know that they get a kick out of this or amps when they, when they get out there, they know what they're doing. They know that that's what they're supposed to do when they're mm-hmm. out there. But you better believe if, uh, if it's not dead and it's kind of running, they're not going to grab it. That, um, okay. So that was going to be my it. next question for you. How, yeah. how do you manage that? Okay. That was my next question. Yeah. yeah. So there's been, there was actually a couple of times uh, this past weekend where, one had gone down and, and to me it's just being um a good handler mm-hmm. for these situations right so you know there was a couple of times where i saw it go down and i shouldn't have sent her because when she ran over there she went on point so mm-hmm. then it becomes me i have to go up there and i have to almost like lift her up and bring her back to you know Right. bring her back to where we are and let that one sit. Right. Um, or there was a couple instances where I just flushed it up and I, we just watched it fly away. And, you know, the folks that uh, do the cleanup can get it later. Right. So, right. Um, yeah. And, and it's, to me, that's just an instance where I should have known, like, that bird's okay. That bird's landing well. It's not, like, plummeting into the earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I shouldn't have sent her on those two, like, particular instances. So it, it's just trying to be a, a good handler and knowing when to send your dog and, right. you know, being so close to other dogs, there's other dogs, you know, covering different areas, knowing when to send your dog into that area. If the dog, if another dog is in a different area, it's just a lot to, it's a lot to take in and to take notice of while it's going on for sure. Okay. Hi, right. you, you, you answered it right before I got there. Cause that's a, that's an interesting thing. The tower shoots that I do down here, um, and I'm, I'm going back and forth, matter of fact, with whether I'm going to go wild bird hunting or, or tower shooting because they fall on the same day. My buddy asked me to do cleanup for him for uh, backing for him. But in that situation, again, I, I've got my lab. I just would have never thought to take my pointer out there. And pointers are good retrieving dogs. Mine's a natural retriever. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just don't let him do it. But, you know, other than isolated situations and I'm kind of coming to terms with the fact that I might just 
make that a thing. Um, but yeah, you, you, you definitely answered that real quick. I wanted to kind of give a shout out to my buddy, Matt Blair. So apparently he saw the story that I posted on interviewing you and responded saying that he, he, I guess you live about 30 minutes away from him and you guys have worked dogs. So he told me to tell you, hello. (laughs) Yeah, man. Um, he, he's a good dude. And, um, you know, really motivated. Now let's, let me, let me, let me backtrack a couple of things. Number one, when people say, when you say BK dog, it's boss kennels dog for folks that, you know, I interviewed Sergio not long ago and I am damn waiting on this border to open up so I can get me one. (laughs) Me too. I, God, man, I need one of them dogs and you have one. Um, which led me into a couple of thoughts. Cause I saw how you were woe training your dog. You do it the same as Sergio does. Um, on that the the uh, the 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 board situation that he's kind of got going on, um, yeah. And I really like that. I want to talk about that some, but let me backtrack to what you said before. Um, Candy, right? Had a had an issue with flagging before. Now, how did you how did you manage to stop that? You know, um, to be perfectly honest, just because of where I was, um during that time frame, it, it was more or less like, I, I don't want to say that we just kind of let it go. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't ever planning on competing with her at that point in time. I was like, man, this is so cool. I'm just learning. Mm-hmm. So I feel like everything that I kind of did with her, um, was kind of backwards. And yeah. I feel like I just got by with her because she was just such a good dog and I may have been doing all the things wrong and yeah. somehow she just turned out fantastic. Right. Um, but I will say she would towards the, I mean, now she will only flag on truly planted birds. Okay. So now that Brooke, you read in my mind, it is amazing that you're, fa- <laughs> you're falling into my trap. That's what it is. <laughs> You are falling yeah. into my trap. We have the same, um, sort of the same issue. So, but keep going, and I'll tell you what made me think about that. Yeah, she she will never. I mean, even uh, so. I mean, obviously, here in Ohio, we don't have uh, a good population of wild birds. We mm-hmm. don't. Um, they've died off. It's really sad. It's unfortunate. Um, it's hard for me to understand, honestly. Yeah. Um, when you think about the climate in like North Dakota, that. Dakota where it's like freezing and they're thriving. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. <laughs> makes me it makes me question kind of what's going on here. But mm-hmm. um, for her, when we would go to, you know, like release sites um, or even running her on Woodcock, which we do have around here. Right. Um, it was like watching a completely different dog. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, her intensity always the same, regardless if it's planted or not. Um, you know, her finding ability always the same. She's never going to like blink a bird or anything like that. But, um, she definitely, you can just tell that she knows the difference and she, you can just, you can even see it in her face. Like, it's just, I I don't know what it is. She's just like, come on. (laughs) It's it's (laughs) funny that you said it. So I, the guy that I'm getting my setter from Paul cook, he's super dope dude. Mm -hmm. Um, he's out out of Wisconsin, but we were talking about that exact same thing. These dogs know um, my my dog. So uh, when he was younger, and even till now, like 
I've, I can proudly say I've run him on a significant amount of wild birds for us to be down here in Georgia. I mean, we have them. Um, yep. We've got properties here that I, that, that I can train on my buddy Shane. But then I, I hunt WMAs and we've got uh, wild quail and, and woodcock. So it when I started doing that with my dog, he is, I mean, rock solid tail, just jacked up in the air. I mean, high and tight on both ends. Mm-hmm. And kind of like your situation, when I put out pin raised birds, or pigeons he is like man what is this yeah why am i even dealing with this and he will he'll lightly 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 kind of do it um if it's a single he'll kind of real the tip of his tail will kind of just slowly wave and as i start walking closer he'll tighten up yep um He'll he'll kind of do that. He's also a, a a covey dog, so he points the hell out of some coveys. Mm-hmm. But singles, he's kind of like uh, like it, it. But again, if it's a wild single, it's 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 like night and day. I don't know if the birds smell different. I'd imagine they do. Human scent and all of this stuff being, you know. I, I think that's what it is. I think it's the human scent that is around the bird. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's something that is maybe created when they're young. Um, I mean, I know for candy in particular, I feel like the amount of pressure um, that was put on her at a young age, and this is just going off of the, the guy that was, I guess, housing her um, when we picked her up. He had just said that she was she was put, pushed pretty heavy yeah. as a puppy. Um, and that was kind of what created the, uh, the flagging right. was just the pressure. Right. And so I feel like it has something to do with the, the human scent around mm-hmm. it, because if that bird that was planted gets up and moves around, no problem. Right. It's just birds that are tucked in, slept, not awake. Um, it's almost like this ain't the real deal. Yep. Yep, they fig they figure it out. Um, and it is you you that goes into learning your dog's particular quirks, and and it's, you've already alluded yeah. to that with your hounds. You know, you know their quirks, and you know what kind of gets them going, and, and and so on and so forth. Um, and I think that's a lesson to be careful with. You know, always running on a certain type of bird, or or setting up a training scenario that is honestly more manufactured like we have to be careful about stuff like that you know because again for i'm guilty of it we all are like you think you're doing something good for your dog when instead that particular moment night might not be ideal for for the training scenario you know um yeah just being able to get in there and say all right and, and and also laying off of a dog you know especially young ones man like if they're not ready to be broke, they're not ready to be broke. You yeah. Know, if they're not ready to be steady, they're just not, and just live with that. And they will tell you, you know, what's going on. Um, and, and to that effect, obviously anybody can go and look at, look at your dogs now and they're, they're dope. Like they're beautiful dogs. So obviously you've got a handle on what it is and you're paying attention to all of those finer details. I think that comes a lot from, I would guess that it comes a lot from your hound experience. But the last bird dog type question I want to get into 
um, when you say you're running tower shoots and, and, you, and your dog will kind of get in that brush and stuff like that. Um, and my dog, again, we, it's, it's so funny. We we're dealing with like similar situations where a lot of dogs, especially trial dogs, they will run edges, but dogs that are hunting, yeah, they don't necessarily run it. <laughs> they'll get in it and they'll point in that stuff and they're not necessarily caring about that. Mo Lindley, I was riding around with him down here and and he was I was running running Vegas. He kept Vegas for a like a couple of days during Thanksgiving last year, but we were running them and Vegas was getting into that cover and 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 then come popping out, running again and getting back in that cover. And it was like a lot of dogs, a lot of trial dogs don't do that. You know, have you noticed that? Like your dogs not caring about running edges like that? Oh yeah, neither of mine. Um, it's actually sometimes can be uh, kind of a problem mm-hmm. uh, in some of the areas where you know we have release sites. Right. Um, it's like really thick. I mean, really thick to where you don't see your dog. Mm-hmm. Um, your dog might be in some like thick shrubbery yep. and they go on point. And how the heck are you getting in there with them? <laughs> uh, let alone shooting the bird. Right. Uh, so, yeah. But both of mine are just and I think, you know, my my younger dog, she kind of learned from my older dog, Candy and Candy is just, she's just like an old battleship. Like she just mm-hmm. runs through everything. She comes out, she's got pricker in her eyes, she's bleeding <laughs> all over the place. Like and she's just ready to go. Like she just doesn't care. It's like she's coming in and she's getting it done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the way, you know, you got to have it. I, I like that, man. A dog that's just willing to get it done. I mean, like it's it's convenient to have a flushing dog. Like my lab, I mean, he's a freaking tank, man. Like he he's he's just going to knock down cover and yeah. you know, and they've learned to hunt together and so on and so forth. And, and it's actually a very, a very slick kind of operation that we got going on now. But in the event that I don't run him, I do like the idea of, okay, this dog will get in there and not flush, but he's not afraid to, you know, if a bird is 50 yards in some deep cover, He's not going to be afraid to get into that and stop, obviously stop and point when he needs to. Um, yeah. And you just better have your GPS on. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yep. 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 Now let's, let's kind of move over to your hounds because I think you've got, you've got a lot working for you there. Um, and I think it's, it seems more philosophical and I, I could be reading into it, but Let's talk about the story of how you got your hounds and, and kind of what you've learned from them that translates over to bird dogs. Yeah. So um, just overall, I think what I've, what I've learned from both of them is, is to just let the dog, like let its natural instinct or its natural ability like let it shine and and whatever you can do to enhance that, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's what you need to do. Um, in the instance of my hounds, you know, they were, they were running loose, um, on a pretty, pretty large, uh, not sure even what you, what you really call it. It's, it's called Stanley state park here in Ohio. And it's, it's like a wildlife area where you you're not allowed to hunt but you can go and like walk around and everything like that but 
it's a pretty big area right. um, in Wellington, Ohio. And these dogs had been running loose there for about six months. And that wasn't the first time that they had been running loose. They were uh, current offenders of getting out, <laughs> getting put in the pound, or getting picked up from whoever the heck found them um, or could catch them, for, for that matter. Right. And when I got them, they were just like wild animals. Like, I, I've never seen anything like it. They had no handle on them whatsoever. I mean, walking them on a leash was like walking a buffalo. Um, <laughs> you know, they just, they were grabbing everything. They want to eat everything. Everything was food. Everything was a meal. And it was more or less like the process of like, first and foremost, like putting a handle on a dog like that, but then trying to take that, like that natural like grit that they had and, and trying to transform it or uh, like mend it into, into like hunting, right? Like, I know that you really want to like do this. Let's do it a different way. And um, I feel like that kind of translates over to the bird dogs. I mean, essentially both hounds and, and pointers, they're just big running dogs. Mm -hmm. And if you can't harness that, you have a problem on your hands, right? You know, um, what, what can you really do with a dog that runs three streets over from you? Um, or a dog that gets away from you in a field and just keeps on trucking mm -hmm. and doesn't really, doesn't really mind you very well. So I feel like with both, with both of those breeds, putting a really good handle on them and then just exposing that, natural ability that they have and just really getting out of their way at that point once you put that handle on them I feel like that's the best thing that you can do and I feel like I got very lucky with the hounds that I got um you know it wasn't an easy road yeah. at all it was it, it was a rough road I for a long time I was like man what the heck did I get myself into right but um it's been extremely rewarding um, watching the transformation and, and just even the people that have, that have met these dogs now, you know, watching them transform. I mean, they were, they were a handful. They mm -hmm. weren't, they weren't dogs that you like wanted around you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in the beginning, they were just, they didn't trust you and they were overbearing. And now they're just, um, they're just great house dogs and they just have their, they're ticked that it's like, Hey, it's time to go. Mm -hmm. And, and I let them have that. I, I let them have it every night, every night I turn them loose. And if they find something, they find something. And if they don't, they don't, but I give them that chance. And to me, that's like their reward for, you know, you put in the time, um, right. and, and you're listening and, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's been a really, really neat experience. And I would just say the crossover between the two breeds, um, it's been, it's been really cool because, uh, you know, when I work my dogs out, I can run them together. Um, you know, they keep up with one another and they honestly, they push each other. Um, the dogs run into the, you know, the hounds run into the woods, the pointers right after them. And, um, you know, they run through my pond and everything and they really do push each other and they keep each other in shape. They keep each other in check. Um, it, it's just a really good mixture to have together. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy it. 
Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on what you just said, and I'm gonna this is the, again the nerd coming out in me now. Um, I'm gonna take some uh, another piece that I highlighted. Uh, matter of fact, today from the White Knight story, and this was totally unplanned, but it, it falls into what you're saying. So Hoyle Eaton wrote this this particular piece, right? And I, I I'd love to know what you think, but he says. Um, he says, if I have a dog that keeps giving me pattern problems in the field, I'll leave him down until he starts paying attention to which way my horse is headed. Um, even if it means getting him so weary and sore that he does not want to make uh, any unnecessary steps. It's what a dog does from his own natural instincts that I enjoy watching, not what I forced him to do. It's not enjoyable to me to spend time in the field with a mechanical dog or a robot, a dog with the right gene pool does not require any harsh training methods if brought along as earlier described, but I admit that kind of dog is in minority. You just highlighted that. <laughs> you just highlighted that. Yep. Yep. Um, because you're, yeah. th- to, to go out and be able to allow those dogs to, to just own that. And you're not trying to make them into something you're as a, as a handler is dope that you are able to, to you know adjust yourself to the dog yeah oh yeah i i mean i honestly i mean i've it changed my lifestyle like it really has um for the best i mean i i'm so happy that the way that it happened um you know how i came about them and and the the position that i was in uh mentally before getting them like it it couldn't have happened any better. Mm-hmm. I think it has only made me a better handler having yeah. to like conquer those dogs. Cause that's essentially what it was. That's it was like a conquering. Yep. Um, but also just the relationship with I, that I have with them now is so great. I mean, people always say like, you're just letting him run out there. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, he, he knows, he yep. knows. I mean, I'm, I'm watching them on the GPS. If they start, you know, tiptoeing over that property line, I'm going to bring them back. And, and I know for a fact that they will come back every single time. Yep. Like it, it's just a really cool, really cool feeling for sure. I, I really like that, man. Um, I, I just think it, that's such a, that's an approach that we have to keep in mind. Just honestly, take your hands off the range. Like, if you've got the foundation yeah. and, and the interesting piece of the, the when you got the dogs, I don't believe in coincidence. I'm not one of those people. So you were able to 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 get those dogs and, 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 and conquer their natural ability because they were supposed to be in your possession. That's what happens. Um, yeah. You were supposed to get those dogs, um, you know, and we have to remember like like between social media and and old stories and books and things we always read about or see it nowadays we see it these dogs that are all you know the points are perfect right the dog's tail everything is there or the hounds they're bait up and and they're 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 not slick trained they're not doing any of that any of the mistake stuff right yeah but you know, I always say it takes 10,000 hours to perfect something. You're putting in your 10,000 hours every night, you know, and those dogs know, you know, yeah. this is what we're going to do. There, There's that routine. Um, I just I I think that's the thing that's going to go. That'll translate you from good to great, you know. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with the routine. I, I definitely agree with the routine. And I kind of, uh, I was talking to Sergio about this too, right after his, uh, his podcast with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had, I had mentioned to him that the reason that I think that he is such a, like a magician mm-hmm. with, uh, with dogs and horses is because his starting foundation with horses. Yep. Um, I think that that translates so well um, of knowing like, you know, when, when to push and when to stop and, and having that consistency, which creates the, like the overall outcome and, and having that routine that you do and the dog, the dogs and the horses, they learn that routine and they learn through that consistency. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's really, really neat. Really I, th- neat. I think so. And there's, I, I can go into a whole nother thing about horses and our relationship. We ain't going to do that tonight because that'll get me going. Um, I've had a good year with, with some Kentucky Derby stuff. So don't get me on that. Yes. Rant. Yes. I will. I will congratulate you. You did a fantastic investing opportunity that was you couldn't have done it any better any better it was that was literally i sat at work and i was like do i want to put this money into this horse yes i do i think i do i think i do (laughs) but but again even with that like you know it goes back to pedigree right like when (laughs) the dogs that you have you know, first of all, you're, you're talking about, you know, working a dog from Sergio. You own a a, a, ball, a BK dog. The the genetics are there. You know, yeah, when you I got. When, and the genetic, I think that's the majority of what it is that we have going on. You should not have to uh, necessarily train a dog to do certain things, right? Like. Really, you should be able to put them on the ground, and and all we're doing with yard working and things like that is just kind of fine tuning, telling them, look, this is what I want you to do. But the abilities yeah. are already there. You know, you're just giving them opportunities. I can imagine them hounds. I mean, they had to eat. <laughs> yes, they, did. they had to eat. So for them to stay out there that long and not die of starvation or die of the elements or or something just coming out and getting them you know because yep. there were pups you know before then dude that's raw ability i don't i i can't imagine that you haven't gotten some offers for the dogs <laughs> <laughs> i i for the hounds yeah i did just recently mm-hmm. um i had i had put a post up on on facebook um honestly just in a hounds group that i'm in just to ask people's opinion or criticism mm-hmm. um, because I'm sure you've seen, I do coon hunting with them, but I also do deer recovery yep, I with saw that. my, yeah, with my, um, with my female. Um, she's a really good cold tracker. And a lot of folks in the coon hound community believe that if your dog does anything other than coon hunting, it's not a true coon hound dog. And mm-hmm. You know, I found that kind of perplexing and because when you when you hear stories, you know, back in the day, a lot of old timers had dual purpose hounds. Yeah. You know, I mean they were using these hounds to eat. Um and and they had dogs that would, you know, maybe tree coon and tree squirrel during the day, or maybe they'd have a dog that, you know, tracks deer and coon or and coon hunts at night like mine does. 
and I just wanted people's uh, perspective on it. And I, you know, I got some some feedback that wasn't the greatest. You know, what, some people what, that were. Uh, do you mind sharing? I mean, just some people that were saying that you know, well, obviously they must just run beer at nighttime. And it's like, well, if you really understand what a what a blood dog does, is they're mm-hmm. not tracking a deer. If they were tracking a deer. They would never have any recoveries on dead deer because mm-hmm. they would just track the first deer that they picked up on scent. Um, they're actually tracking the stress in the blood. Yeah. And, you know, once you run out of that blood, they're essentially looking for a dead animal. Right. So, um, you know, I'm just trying to explain that to people. And I mean, I guess at this point for those people that were, you know, having some harsh questions, I'm just trying to educate people that it can be done. You can have a dual purpose. I don't feel like maybe every dog can be a dual purpose dog, but I think it's really neat that, that I have to, that that I have one that is, that is pretty special. Mm -hmm. Um, She is, she is very accurate. Um, Just even for this season, um, we've gone out on five tracks and she's done two recoveries and the three that were unfound just this week, all three have come back on trail cam. So that's just, it just proves that like, you know, to me, you know, whatever I've done with her to differentiate, um, you know, the two disciplines, uh, it's worked And, and she's very proficient at both. And it more or less just makes me feel kind of like, you know, maybe she's just like, she knows what I want from her and Mm -hmm. she's just, she's just doing it. She's giving it to me. Well, isn't that what we get the dogs for? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's what we get them for. I mean, and, and you're talking to somebody that is uh, for the one pointer that I have, I am, 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 I am unashamed, unashamedly very biased towards you know, some things that I guess people would call versatile or whatever like that. But, mm-hmm. but, okay, that is because I can afford to be that way. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I, I've, I've got two types of dogs. It doesn't, <laughs> like, I can be that way. But when we're talking about, you know, having, having you know, two of the same breed. So you've got two coon hounds, and, you know, why not maximize <laughs> that, you know? Why yeah. not take that as far if they and if the dog says they they want a blood track, let them blood track. Oh yeah, you know yeah, we I, we we spend so much time telling the dog what they gonna do instead of just letting the dog you know get excited about being able to do a lot of different things. You know. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I did with her. You know, I I noticed. Um, you know, uh, kind of back to their story, like I got her after I got the mail and I had to kind of track her down. Um, but when I found her and finally got her, uh, I noticed that she really, really liked to run deer. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's, if you've ever talked to any people that run coon hounds, running deer is like sacrilegious. Oh Um, it hits a no go. That's a, that's a dog that you don't want to (laughs) feed type of situation. And I thought, well, you know, I'm assuming that the reason that she does that is because, you know, the the atmosphere that they were in. And I'm sure that they were eating deer. I'm mm-hmm. sure that they probably took down some deer. Of course. And so, and I noticed, I feed my dogs uh, raw raw food, um, raw meat on top of their kibble. Okay. So I noticed that she just, she was a big fan of the deer meat. And so I thought, well, 
you know, if she really likes to do this, obviously I was um, training both of them for, for coon hunting and that was my overall goal. But how cool would it be if I could take, you know, that drive that she has to want to run deer and just kind of teeter it just a little bit. So, you know, you, you can't run them, but you want to eat them. Right. So let's find the dead ones. Right. And let, like, but let's just find the dead ones. Um, and so that's kind of the approach that I took with it. And it seems to have worked out really well for me. But in that same instance, I, I just really feel like I got really lucky with, with both of those dogs. I mean, I feel like I got lucky with all of my dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, they all have their quirks about them, but I feel like I've just been blessed with good dogs. I, I, I can agree with that. And then, and, and that goes back to that consistency thing too. Um, t- t- to me, you know, giving your dog, your, your hounds, cause they're siblings. I think, I, I don't know if we yeah. said, I can't remember they're siblings, but they were out yeah. there in the same conditions and they had to figure out how to learn to live and, and actually be wild dogs actually. Yeah. But you've taken the idea that, okay, I don't want you to go catch deer. All we need to do for you to eat, you got to track yeah. it basically. Yeah. And you know, you hear a lot of bird dog guys like, oh, I don't want my dog to catch birds. Oh, I don't want my dog to catch birds. That happens every blue moon. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, but every blue moon, they'll catch one. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where you don't let it happen enough to where the dog now trans, trans you know, transitions like, oh, all right, well, I'm catching everything now. You know, it's the same for it. It sounds like it's the same for hounds. You don't let the dog chase deer. You just reward them for doing, you know, the piece that that they want to. And you kind of just you you let them know, look, this particular behavior gets you it gets you fed or gets you pet or whatever yeah. the, the dog's reward is. It's all yeah. right if they mess up and catch one or two. though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, but it's like it's completely different like watching even the dog's like demeanor mm-hmm. when she's doing that or even you know sometimes her brother I'll take him with um if if I know that we're going to a big property and I only do um you know again back to that kind of consistency and routine I will not do night recovery right because at nighttime my dogs know that they need to three coon that's yeah. it yep um and so sometimes I'll take him with if I, if it's a big area and they say that there's uh, coyotes in the area because, you know, maybe them together, I know that they fought them off before, but her alone, I don't feel comfortable with that. Right. Um, but you know, even him, their demeanor, when they do a blood trail, they're very slow, they're meticulous. They don't open up at all where that's completely different. When I turn them loose in the woods at night, I mean, they are my male hound, man, he is just, I mean, he's got a horn on him and he lets you know when he's on track and, mm-hmm. and so does my female. So it, it's really cool watching the, the difference that even they know to do mm-hmm. um, between the two disciplines. That's cool. That's dope. I could spend a whole lot of time. Now, what, what uh, kind of house do you know? I used to have a, a walker uh, back in the day, but what kind you got? They're uh, they're English coon hounds. Okay, all right, all right. I you, got English coon hounds. You went back. You went old school with it, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm here for it. Um, well, I'm going to have to poke your brain um, more about hounds. I guess down the line because I'm actually working on an article. Um, 
uh, on hound history. And uh, I want to take it from way, way, way back in the day. And I've gotten that part, but I kind of want to bring it to a more contemporary context and talk about what folks are doing with them now. So don't be surprised if I say, Hey, uh, <laughs> what about this? Um, but look, I want to, you know, kind of talk about, uh, you know, some more things that we have going on, but when it comes to, 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 to running dogs and things like that, do you think that as a community and especially you not having as many wild birds in Ohio, do you think that the idea that only good dogs come from wild birds, do you think that's isolating to newcomers coming in? I think it can be. Okay. Um, I, I think that it can be kind of deterring. Um, I mean, I myself personally have, you know, just again, through social media, right? Everything mm-hmm. is, is online. Um, if you post some things, you know, about your dog, uh, pictures of your dog doing really well, videos of your dog doing really well, you're always going to have somebody say, well, they're not on wild birds. Right. Um, or something like that. And I feel like that can be really deterring for people that are maybe just getting started. Um, so I feel like, I feel like that can potentially be a problem, but I do feel like you really know what kind of dog you have mm-hmm. when you have a dog on wild birds. Um, but again, I think if like the foundation is there and the training is correct, you know, the transition between the two should be pretty seamless. Right. Um, if you have a good dog with, with the right genetics, but I, I can definitely see how maybe some people um, maybe could fall into a rut or, you know, maybe they train their dogs just on planted birds and they take them out West and it's like, Whoa, what happened? Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they get a reality check really quick. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, and, and, and again, I'm, I am critiquing my own very strong beliefs of things. And I, I think it's an, it's, it's the idea of availability and you do what you got to do. Um, and yep. we, we also have technology. So we've got, you know, bird launchers where you can, you know, more or less simulate as close of a wild flush as you, as, as you can possibly get. Um, you know, and, and, and so you're not looking like me with a whole bunch of land in your backyard and you've got to teach in order to not use launchers, you got to teach birds how to start coveying up and recalling back to certain areas. It's, it's this whole other job more or less. Um, mm-hmm. but you can oh, use yeah. launchers and things like that to, to get as close as you possibly can. And I don't, and, and I don't want anybody listening to this podcast. And I, I had to catch myself also. My wife checks me all the time. She's a good woman. She checks the hell out of me. Um, she, you know, she, she asked, she was like, well, do you think that you sound very elitist? And I was like, huh? Maybe so. Like, uh, maybe that's how it comes off. And that's never how it mean, how I mean to, but it's the motivation to, like you said, to see what you have, um, you know, and then, and then know what you have. Like I said, my dog won't, he, he just doesn't take them serious. He doesn't take pen raised birds that seriously. He'll operate on them, but it, you just, your expectations have to change. 
Um, so on to the, the your woe breaking process. Now, where did you get? Can you, I want you to describe it? Sergio did, but you, you guys have it again. Now, did you learn that from him, or where did you see that? I learned it from him. Okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah, my the dog that I got um, from Sergio. Um, again, a blessing in disguise. It really was. I had kind of really i mean i told my boyfriend like even a year before we got pet Mm -hmm. i said i'm getting a dog from that man like i'm getting a dog uh and i had never even talked to him at that point Mm -hmm. um i was just so impressed with with those those dogs that he has in his breeding program and you know how he he demonstrates things and there's no pressure put on the dog Mm -hmm. at, at any point in time um, and I really like that approach again, going back to the, the horses, that's, that's kind of that same approach there. And what was so interesting about the opportunity for us to get tests is, you know, she was a dog that he had actually bought back from somebody that had bought her as a young pup Wow! and he did not do service to her at all. Um, and, and this just goes back to the character that Sergio and Sam have as far as they knew that the dog was in a poor situation and they immediately, no hesitation, just bought her back from, from the guy. Wow. So she was actually here in, uh, I think she was in Missouri, um, with, with a dog trainer, um, apparently runs field trials and has a big count, but he made that dog. Um, blink birds. He made her blink birds. He made her uh, scared of launchers. Mm-hmm. He made her scared of pigeons. Um, awful, absolutely awful. And and Sergio bought her back, and and he worked with her for a little while, and and he was extremely honest when when he posted her up that you know this is where she is, and this is what what she is, and she couldn't wear a collar. She would pride with the collar. And I just, I saw the opportunity of, of having this dog and she was about a little younger than a year old. And I just, I had to have her. I had mm-hmm. to have her. And so we got her and it, again, it's been a learning process for me, but I've taken his whole approach on, you know, taking all of the pressure off of her because. I mean, she, she wasn't really even confidently pointing birds and for a while she, she even for a while after I got her, she still had issues, um, with pointing birds and it was, you know, a nothing against the breeding program, nothing against her genetics. It was all what was, you know, put into her brain at such a young age, what had happened to her. She mm-hmm. still holds it like deep in her. Mm-hmm. And so taking his whole approach has really, really helped. I mean, tremendous turnaround with nice. that young dog. And I, I still to this day can't use pigeons with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can throw pigeons in front of her. Um, I was able to get her to confidently point pigeons, but it never had the same intensity um, that she would have on a chucker or a pheasant. So I just told myself, I'm just, why go backwards when right. you can just go forward? 
Just and yep. for me, it put me in a position where it was, you know, I I've, I've had to buy a lot of chucker. Yeah, <laughs> spent a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a barn full of them. I have a barn full of chucker, I have some pheasants, and I have uh, some pigeons as well, some homers. But um, I started sleeping chucker in front of her and throwing chucker in front of her instead of having her point a pigeon or or using a launcher because again she was terrified of launchers she would if she would come up on a launcher she would she may point at it but her tail was down between her legs and she looked scared to death mm-hmm. i mean it was the saddest thing she ever saw mm-hmm. um and it just shows that like how much you can really ruin a good dog you know um so again just going back to like that uh the palette the palette work um it's just been a huge turnaround it's something that i will continue to do with the rest of my dogs and Mm -hmm. you know all of my hunting dogs none of them i've gotten as a puppy they've all had their issues here and there um you know with candy was a trial reject that flagged and you know test you know she had her her difficult upbringing and um i just know that moving forward i want to continue to use that palette um and that particular drill right. to get my dog confident and steady because and i don't know if if um if Sergio feels the same way about this, but I feel like when you place them up on that palette and you make that palette really fit the dog, mm-hmm. it almost creates a, like an environment to where they learn to always stand like that. What, like what, stand what, talk about what you mean making it fit the dog. Um, so I, for her, she's a really small dog. And mm-hmm. so for her to, to stand very correct or align correctly and, and stand tall, um, that the palette that I have, it fits her just perfectly. Right. Like the way that she's standing, she's stretched out a little bit and she can't, there's no slats in the middle for her to potentially put her feet forward yeah. or to, you know. Um, it just makes her stand really correct. And I've found that if I even do a quick drill with her on the pallet and then, uh, cause what I'll typically do is I'll put her out on the pallet. I'll throw some chucker for her. And when I throw the chucker, I throw them into my field and I try to throw them kind of far out there. So I'm like, we're going to go work those chucker wherever they landed. I don't know, but we're going to go work those chucker afterwards and put them back up again. Mm-hmm. And for her, it seems to really transition to, this is how I stand. Like, this is the correct way for me to stand. And this is how I stand all the time now. And it, to me, I just feel like it's a real game changer for creating like perfect style. Right. If the dog, you know, has the ability to, to stand um, like that. I feel like it could almost maybe be created at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just think it's really neat. I think it, you know, obviously it takes some time um, to get the dog to want to stand up there and be confident on there, um, you know, without using any kind of like collars. Um, that was another thing, you know, yep. I think Sergio 
he'll he'll tie his younger dogs back kind of in the beginning. He'll tie them back on uh, on the haunches yep. um, to make them stand there if they want to kind of move forward. I couldn't do that with her. I couldn't put anything around her back end. So it just was a lot of time that she took a step off. I put her back on. Took okay. a step off, put her back on. It was just a, a really long, consistent process with her in particular. And I just feel like she's just a a special case where I had to do things a little bit differently with her, where I wouldn't think I would have to do with like a dog that I started myself or if I, you know, got one started the correct way. Like if I, you know, were to get a pup started by Sergio. Um, so I think for that aspect, it's been, it's been a learning experience for me, but um, I just think it's, it's one of the best ways I've just seen a complete transformation in that dog. It's right. really nice. Right. I, um, it's, it's, it's interesting just talking about that. Um, I, I think it, it fundamentally goes back down to getting the dog off his feet. Now, my buddy Neil Carter down here, first thing he ever told me about the pointer is you want to get him to stand. If you want to get him to do what they need to do, you need to take the dog off his feet, meaning, you know, uh, raise him up off the ground a little bit. Um, and, and I think it, 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 all of this fundamentally goes back down to that, um, and, and it's good that you do know that, you know, you have that dog that doesn't want that doesn't want and it obviously doesn't need that pressure on the flank. Um, you know, I'm good yeah. about a flank, <laughs> about a flank collar. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm good about it. And I enjoy it because to Sergio's point, um, something that I want to take into my own, um, my own work especially with my next dog. I mean, I learned a lot doing this one. Vegas is dope. I mean, I really like how he, he was able to, to, to be molded, but that flank collar is such a different cue than what's on the neck, you know? And, and Sergio told me, he was like, you know, I don't put any pressure on that dog's neck at all, you know? So whatever we're doing is going to come from the flank. And that way it's actually, if you need to correct them, it's actually a very easy correction. Um, Yep there's no confusion. And, and of course you're just doing your directional stuff with, um, with that. And to that end, I'm actually looking at Sergio's, um, piece in the, uh, Southern bird hunters association, uh, newsletter that actually highlights the woe board platform. So I actually want to, uh, I want to make sure that I post that to my social media and I will probably forget, but somebody will remind me, but anywho, it's, it's good. It's, it's good to see what you're talking about in action. Um, you know, and then you bring up another point, not giving the dog the chance to step forward. Yep. You know, um, when I find, when I, when I have to personally critique my own practices, um, you know, I do a lot of barrel training, which is cool. You know, it, it, it I think there are so many different things that work, but in this particular, it, well, and, and in this particular instance, my dog can still kind of step forward on that barrel, you know, like he can. Mm-hmm. Um, so being meticulous about taking that away and everything that you're doing, I'm looking at your, your, your dogs now on that platform. I mean, it's, it's rock solid. And how many of them little shipping, uh, um, pallet crate things, you can find them things laying on the side of the road. Oh, all over the place. <laughs> Any dumpster. <laughs> right. And it, it, it takes nothing. Um, it takes nothing to get a hold of them. 
Um, so, you know, that's just something I'm really excited to talk about with you. Now, the other piece of what I wanted to get into with you, um, you know, I, 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 I hate to be the guy that marginalizes the subject or, or, or you, but I do want to talk about women handlers because I feel like I don't see enough. Um, I, but I also understand, um, that the number of women, women in the bird dog community is, is going up exponentially, actually, like we're getting a lot, you know, coming in. Um, and so just as a note to, you know, anybody listening to it, I kind of want to talk about that, but you know, what can men and women in the bird dog community do to level the perception of women dog handlers? That's a great question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, so, I, I think about that. No, it's, um, it's interesting, right? Um, I know myself personally, the, the first uh, hunter trial that I ever went to, um, I went by myself. I took both of my dogs. And I was the only woman on the ticket to run that day. And I remember when I signed up, um, both of the guys that were there kind of taking entries, they kind of looked up at me and they were like, you know, where's your man? Yeah, right. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I don't know, did I lose him somewhere along the road? Like, did he fall out of the truck? I'm not sure. Um, so, uh, I mean, that's, that's nothing against them. I mean, uh, you know, I, I feel like people crack jokes all the time. Right. Um, I'm always driving a big truck around. I always got dogs in my truck. So, mm -hmm. but I think that, I think that there's a, I think there's a problem, um, in, in the women's hunting industry overall. Okay. Um, not even just as a handler. I think there is like a core community of women out there that are really, like it's their passion, they're putting in the work, they're out there doing it, and they're doing it because they love it. And then I feel like there is a small portion of the community that just puts on hunting gear and takes pictures and posts them on social media with some dogs or mm -hmm. something like that. And I feel like mm -hmm. those are the folks that kind of don't ruin it for us, but they maybe kind of make this perception that, you know, we're not taken seriously enough and we just got to work just a tad bit harder mm -hmm. to kind of prove ourselves, um, as handlers and just as hunters mm -hmm. in the industry. But I, myself personally, um, it's been hard for me to find other women to train with and, and to even just hang out with that have the same interests as me. Mm -hmm. Um, just recently, I, I met a girl that lives in kind of close to me that has a German short hair that we've gotten really close just because of the connection with the dogs and we train together. Um, but for the most part, it's all men. Um, right. You know, we honestly here um, at our place, uh, we actually started doing a like a dog training day. It was mm -hmm. like every Sunday morning at 6 a.m. You show up, you bring your dogs. And at that point in time, we were just doing retrieving drills. And again, you better believe I was surrounded by labs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. But it was, a ton, it was a ton of fun. And um, I was trying to get some women to get interested in it. And um, 
I just, I've had a really hard time being able to find other women in just my area, you know, and that's not to say that there aren't other women, but just in my area, I mean, I've really tried to find them. Um, now, I ha- think, have you, what? have you spoke to Lauren Gwynn, Palmetto Moon Pointers? That's my buddy. No, I don't believe that I have. I need to introduce y'all. Y'all Absolutely. would have a damn good time hanging out with each other. Please do. Please yep. do. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's been, it's been hard. I feel like, yep. um, it, it's been definitely hard. Um, uh, most of the guys that, that, you know, most of a bunch of guys. Yeah. Um, it's like <laughs> Matt Blair. Um, yeah. you know, I met up with him a couple of times and yeah, it's just, uh, I, I feel like it's something that needs to change. Mm-hmm. You like if you're a woman, a woman out there, and you have an interest in in hunting and hunting with a dog and being a handler, you know maybe uh, join your local club. Um, you know, fi- find a mentor. You know, maybe become a part of NASTRA and right. maybe just show up to those trials and and um, and meet some people and learn more and uh, you know kind of make your path. Um, that's that's kind of what I'm trying to do. Um, it's something that I'm extremely passionate about, and I know that there's a a large group of women out there that are passionate about it as well. I mean, who doesn't want to hang out with dogs all day? I right. mean, <laughs> right. I know I do. <laughs> um, so yeah, but what what's your take on it? I mean, what what is it like um, near you? Is when you show up to these trials? Is there a is there a good amount of women? Are there any women? I don't. Uh, so. I run into the same uh, problem as you do. And that's actually the other piece of why I started my nonprofit, Minority Outdoor Alliance, because. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, It it, of course, we've got the 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 racial minority piece of it, but then we've got the the, the gender minority piece of it. Right. Where. I first of all, and I'm gonna I'm I'm start with what I'm saying by saying this: If you are a woman, get a bird dog. You're already predisposed to being better than us dudes anyway. <laughs> so women are just better dog handlers anyway. So you you're already coming in with a le- with a leg up. <laughs> if that is any kind of comment. <laughs> You're already dogs typically like women a little bit better than us idiots over here. Um, (laughs) But I have I have seen I've met one lady. She's a lab handler. And she actually I think she's doing Super Retriever series and like might have ran the grand. But her name is Beth White. I interviewed her alone. Like when I first started doing this. She came in and was hell bent on making a name for herself in um, in dogs. And and she's in the retriever games, but it's all the same. I mean, a good dog is a good dog is a good dog. Um, you know, and she's killing it out there. She's a, she's doing that. Her name is Beth White. Um, then in that same hunter retriever club, there were actually a number of women that were doing the same thing and they were kind of there. But then when we get into bird dogs, Lauren is really the only one on this side of the the United States that I know. um, And I would say down here in my area, Lauren's in, in South Carolina, but she's really the only woman that I know 
that's like killing the game when it comes to having a bird dog, right? Like she's traveling. I think she just got back from Montana, um, you know, got a Vizsla. And I mean, man, she ain't playing no games. And aside from that, like I really don't see a lot of women handlers. Historically in the South and Alabama, you've got Maisie Davis, who's a field trialer and was and and is and all and, and continues to 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 you know whoop butt in that area. Um she's big into American field and she's the other co-founder to Stride Away Field Trials, that that website. So there are women out there, but just like with anything else, they're, they're scattered. I don't yeah. see a lot of women doing, you know, doing this. And I would, I'm, and, and one thing that really pissed me off one day that I heard this, um, I, I'm not going to say where I heard it or anything, but it was actually at a field trial, but I, I was talking to a girl and, um, I, I kind of, you know, you w- when you're in a gallery, like you see lots of different people and there are women riding horses and stuff like that all the time. Um, and she was just, I mean, it was like she was on that horse and it was like she was might as well have been running. Like they seemed very connected. Um, yeah. And I was very impressed with the way that she handled her horse and things like that. It was just very fluid. And she ended up getting on the Jeep um, with me. I guess she, you know, for whatever odd reason, she 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 wasn't riding her horse or whatever. But she, so she ended up being on the same jeep as I was. And um, a guy, it was me and two other guys. That's what it was. It was me, two other guys, and her on on the same jeep. And I asked her. I was like, you know, are you running bird dogs? She was like, yeah, I've got my own dogs and things like that. And she actually works for an operation down here as well. And I was like, well, why are you not field trialing? Like, what, you know, what's the deal? And she said to me, I won't be able, to, it's hard for me to get into field trialing down here because the guy that I work for told me that I was never going to be able to break into this community if I did not marry a dog man or if I didn't date one. Oh, wow. Right. Right. And I was, I was floored. I mean, when, when I tell you, I, 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 I couldn't believe somebody would even say that. You know what I'm saying? Like, really, dude? Yeah. And it's just that old mentality. It's, it's a very, very, very antiquated mentality. Um, yeah. And I just, I could not believe that's what it was. But I think that's some of the struggle that's going on. Um, and then also what I also like to see though, on a, on a much more positive note, um, Allison Blanton Stewart, she writes for American field. She's a reporter, but she actually owns, you know, a champion dog. He's had that dog handled and trained by Tommy Rice, but I like to see a lot of women owners too. See, that's the other component. Nobody talks about the owners. Yep. You see what I'm saying? So you've got you've got women handlers that that we that have an opportunity and you've got the women owners that have the opportunity. And those folks don't really get discussed as much, you know, because owning a dog like it's I think it's something like forty thousand dollars to campaign a dog on the major field trial circuit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and, and and that's its own job. I mean, again, just like horse racing, like. 
You've got yeah. the trainers, you've got the jockeys, but then you've got the owners. Yeah, you got to put your money where your mouth is. There you go. You know, you got to do that. So I'm interested in seeing that. And I actually, um, it was a, I hope that she, if she's still listening to this podcast, um, it's a girl named Faith Lyles. Um, she actually reached out to me and, and she's out, I think she's in college or, 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 or right out of college in like veterinary school, something like that. But she reached out to me and asked me if I could mentor her into bird dogs. She didn't own a dog or anything like that, but she was like, look, I'm interested. I'd love to come out, um, and just learn, you know, and watch. And, and I was impressed by that, you know, like I, I was like, hell yeah, like let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. And, and maybe like that brings up a great point. Like that's maybe something that could help change uh, the perception, right? Like if, if more women, would step forward and and say that or reach out to people and have the you know maybe not the courage but the tenacity to to want that right. and or maybe maybe some men reach out and and try and take some women under their wings to do that as well and, mm-hmm. and a mentorship type program like I mean I I know that I, personally I have. Uh, use a, a mentor in my personal life, in my professional life. Mm-hmm. Um, why not use it in for your passion in right. life? It seems to, to really to make sense and to fit. So that's mm-hmm. great that that you've been given that opportunity and um, you've taken, taken to it. That's fantastic to hear. You, you, we got to, man. I mean, it's... It, it, it goes back to the whole diversity thing, right? That's been the subject of everything this year. I mean, it, yep. it, 2020 has been a hell of a year. <laughs> it has. It <laughs> but one thing when we talk about that, like we as, as the up and coming generation, not only have to, and I said this on another podcast that I was on, but like part of getting people into this is having those people that you want into it, seeing you as a representative, you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. kids don't go buy Jordan sneakers because they just, just fall in love with the shoes. Kids buy Jordan sneakers because of Michael Jordan. Absolutely. You see what I'm saying? And so it's the same thing with, with women in the bird dog world. We've got to have representatives, and this is where the snob in me comes out, women with dang good dogs. Yeah. And women that can come out and beat up on the boys and talk trash all the same. <laughs> you know, like, yep. and, and, and yeah. you know, because when you get out there, I'm not looking at whether or not we got the same parts or anything like that. I'm looking at you got a dog, I got a dog. Brooke, if you, eh, eh, we can sit here on the podcast all day and talk and have a great time, but mess around and meet me on the Nastra field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just going to be what it is. I, I don't care yeah. whether you're a, you're a boy, girl, like, I don't care. And it, 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 it's got to be like that. Um, in order for folks to understand that the playing field, it has, no, it, it is always equal. And she could yeah. very well come out here and whoop your tail. <laughs> and that's just going to be what it is. But we've got to have good examples. And I think you are one of the few. I'm talking to my buddy, um, Joe Plody, and he found out that um, we were interviewing um, on this podcast. And he was like, dude, 
she got hounds and a pointer. He was like, <laughs> man, I, <laughs> I don't know a whole lot of a lot of folk that can do that. You know, and it's impressive. It really is. And and you're you're a model, um, you know, for that. Um, Jennifer Wapinski out out on the West Coast. You know, she does a lot of writing for. Um, she's an editor at Project Upland and, and things like that. You know, she's got her voice out there. You know. Just like we, just like I always say, we've got to have more black voices and Hispanic voices and stuff in the uplands. We've got to have more women voices. You know, yeah, I it's, agree. it's, it's dope that Callie Parmley, I told you about Callie, she get on me all the time about not having photos of myself. Like, you know, yeah. she's the, she's the editor at, at Gundog magazine, you know? So strategic placement, that's what's going to do it, you know, and having the dog work to speak for itself. Yeah, yeah, because you ain't nothing without the dog. There you go. It don't matter what you got going on. (laughs) You can you can sit and and your social media can be great. You know you can you take all the pictures in the world, but when folk get out there on that field, they want to see what your dog looks like. And and I and I I hold to that. Um, You know, and I, I just really thought it would be an interesting kind of thing now do you have you met any any other women handlers that that are that you are motivated by or or have helped you along the way uh none here in ohio okay. um like i said there's there's a, a good friend of mine um that i've met recently where we've kind of just kind of tag team up and you know we both have the same goals and you know we want to we want to compete in NASCAR and she's kind of, you know, on the same level as I am. And just even that alone has been just so intriguing and encouraging. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine what it would be like if I were to meet, you know, like, you know, tenfold of that. Now I say that being just here in Ohio, I have had a number of conversations and this is the best thing about social media and maybe one of the only good things. Um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) um, I have made so many friends, so many like have had conversations with so many great women handlers in both towns and pointers Mm -hmm. um, all across the country, even in Canada um, who I really look up to in in both towns. in both, like I said, the, the hound hunting and, and, uh, pointers, um, or just even, you know, bird dogs in general. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just wish they were all closer. I yeah. just wish that, you know, yeah. I, I've had conversations with so many of them where it's like, let's do a girl's trip where we all get together. Let's all go to Montana and, uh, or, you know, North Dakota, like let's all get together and, and really bring it together, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and I'm, we're honestly, we're, we're planning some of it. Um, okay. the girl that I did, uh, uh, Lauren Branny, the girl that I did, um, the podcast with for Houndsman XP, yeah. she's coming down here for opening day of Coon and okay. we're going to run our dogs together. And, you know, it's, it's just neat. You know, we've, we've never met in person, but we have that connection and I'm just so looking forward to it. And that's why what's so great about, these podcasts and I just want to thank you again for you know having me on here because I feel like it's really opened some doors to me to meet more people and to talk to more like-minded people like myself especially women 
And um, yeah, so I'm very thankful for that. Thank you, girl, so much. But hey, no, um, look, thank you for being <laughs> on here. I'm the one need to thank you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but any any women that that you think that I should be chatting with, send them my way. Um, I I would enjoy the the wisdom. I would enjoy the conversation, um, and I would eventually enjoy meeting them in person and um, either competing against one another or or just running behind our dog. Yep. Yep. So. Yep. I, I think so. And you know me, I'm always going to support you best as I possibly can. And you, you, not only do you have a friend out of me, but you got it. You got a master buddy, too. So we got to keep each other <laughs> accountable on here now. I know. Yeah, I, I'm really I'm looking forward to this weekend. I think we're both going to do great. We're envisioning yeah. great things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just look, keep your fingers crossed for me. I just, of all the days that like, and I want my son to come, but just yeah. that, that day, just don't come that day. <laughs> <laughs> don't come that day. Like of all the other days you can come, you know, you, you, you come to come the day afterwards, just not that day. So keep your fingers <laughs> crossed for me. <laughs> I know it's me. I'm here for it. Well, look, Brooke, it it has been a pleasure, and I will steal so much of your time. I can run my mouth. Um, We definitely, definitely, definitely got to keep up with each other. And I want to keep, I really do, um, you know, I do want to be Nastro Buddies with you and and just kind of, you know, have conversations there because really and truly, I don't spend enough time in that venue. Um, and I, I definitely like to do more, but you know, before we get off, man, like lead, lead the folks with something good. <laughs> something good in regards to, <laughs> in regards to <laughs> let's, let's, let's go with a light bulb moment. Let's go lead, lead the folks with something good, whether it be light bulb moments with bird dogs, with hounds, like what was uh, the most yeah. recent light bulb moment you've had? Yeah, recent light bulb moment for me. Um, I'll just tell everybody, you know, um, if you've put in the time and you've put in the energy with your dog, um, you got to trust your dog. Um, I've run into several instances, more so with my hounds um, than my pointers, where, you know, you're walking into a tree and you're just not seeing the eyes. And you're almost thinking, man, what the heck? What the heck are you guys doing? And then you step back a little ways. And I, I will I will say, I'm not the best at finding them during this season when there's still leaves on the tree. But, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you take a couple steps back and you see that your dogs are on the money. And and it, as a handler, there's nothing better than, than that feeling of, of, like, regret and mm-hmm. then, immediate uh pleasure right um so i would just say you know trust your dog um if you put in that time uh, and it's a lot of time with with both breeds it's a lot of time Mm -hmm. um just trust your dog that's that's the one thing that i think has been a huge takeaway with me from from both both breeds um is just that you know you you've set these dogs up for success um, they know what they're doing. You've, you've done it all right. And you just got to trust them. Right. Got to really trust them. That's, that's the key right there. That's the key. Well, <laughs> uh, Brooke, I, I can't say that 
you know, I've 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 maxed out all of my questions because I got 50 million more, but I'm not going to do it to you. Um, we got to get you back on. Um, and I, I really do want to just, you know, throughout the season, you know, get you back on here and talk some more about some of your revelations um, as we, you know, as you matriculate, because I know you're going to do well. So I ain't even worried about that. Um, oh, thank you. I, I definitely. It, oh, yeah. No, it, it, it ain't. I ain't, you know, I ain't blowing smoke now. Like, you know, I, I definitely think looking at what you've got just on the table, you got a lot to work with. And, and that's definitely a good thing. So um, with that being said, guys, that is another episode of the Gundog Notebook podcast with the awesome Brooke Lanning. Um, and Brooke, how can we find you? One more thing before we get off of here. Um, yeah, so on Facebook, it's just Brooke Lanning. And then on Instagram, I believe it's Brooke underscore Lanning. Yes. I don't have a whole lot of content, but it's all just pointers and hounds. Yeah. So if that's what you're into, that's what I got. There you go. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, we will catch you on the flip side, Brooke. Um, you know, give me two seconds. Let me, let me uh, cut this good old recorder off.